As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up? Hello and welcome back to Spin Rate. My name is Drew Fairservice and we are here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays for the second time this week. That's right. We're back again with another Sunday and or Monday episode where we talk about the soup of the day. Talk about the Blue Jays weekend that was, what's coming up, and what's the hot goss. What's the word on the beat? And we cannot, I cannot do that on my own. I couldn't do that with a, with or without my co-host who joins me. You read her here on The Athletic, Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I mean, other than not getting to see baseball on Sunday because of a rainout, that doesn't happen very much at Blue Jays home games. <laughs> Cannot think of the last Blue Jays home game that would have been rained out. I'm sure someone was able to regurgitate that stat. I don't have it handy. I would guess it was probably 1988 or 89. The last time the Blue Jays played a stadium without a retractable roof or a roof, roof, a roof at all. But yeah, the Blue Jays were rained out on Sunday, but that doesn't mean that there's not lots to talk about after a very um, interesting uh, weekend series with the Los Angeles Angels, wherein the Blue Jays and Blue Jays fans got to see Mike Trout up close and personal in a way, uh, well, very similar to the last uh, however many times they've been playing him. Uh, I have to say, so for the longest time, when I used to uh, cover baseball even more closely than I do now, I would, in 2012, 2013, I was always going on and on about Mike Trout. And a lot of the people that follow me, follow the Blue Jays, don't follow the rest of the league so much. So I was like, Trout, Trout, Trout. And then he would come to town and have like a fine weekend. Like, <laughs> oh, he got a hit or he got a couple walks. Like, he never came and like blew his brains out. So... Finally, I feel stupid. Like the, the guy who's widely acknowledged as the best player in the game, the best player maybe ever, will come in and like destroy the Blue Jays for a weekend, like he did this weekend until Saturday's game. Uh, but I think it's okay that Sunday's game got rained out. Uh, if you believe in a higher power, they were telling us that the game should not have been played anyway when Shohei Otani was going to was scratched from his start because of blisters. So therefore, the game was not to exist. But Lots of, lots of talk about, uh, Caitlin, since last we spoke. We can talk about even the stuff that happened before, uh, they played the Angels. I believe they were playing the Texas Rangers. 
earlier in the week, and we can look ahead to the Yankees coming up. The uh, the Yankees, the sky, the Yankees are four and five. The sky is falling. Mm-hmm. Every Yankee fan is having a rolling meltdown because uh, the team isn't good enough. They have not scored enough runs. They scored eight runs today, which is uh, much to the surprise of many. But uh, I don't know what. Let's talk. Let's we'll start with you, Caitlin. And talk. What are your impressions of this weekend? Um, and there's also news, of course. This so so not only did they play games and they won uh, Saturday, but they lost Thursday, Friday. Um, there was a, cr- a bunch of news. There was the COVID had, uh, injured list was getting a workout, uh, plus the regular injured list, plus more news that's come out today. So let's start with your impressions of the weekend series with the Angels. Um. Well, actually, I might go back a little further just to set the scene here. Um, mm-hmm. It was a very bad week for the Blue Jays up until Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they started off strong the Monday game against, which is, you know, a week ago now against the Rangers went well, Steven Matz looked good. Um, and then the Blue Jays offense just kind of scuffled along and you thought, well, a series against the Rangers, they should be able to do some damage here. They weren't able to, um, a lot of guys were striking out a lot that bats didn't look great. And that was sort of piling on. And then you had Thursday's game at home. Didn't go well either. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani played really well. Um, And then Friday came along and there was like all this news about, you know, Teoscar Hernandez had um, an exposure to a person who tested positive for COVID-19. So he automatically um, goes on uh, like a seven-day quarantine period. And then on top of that, like you mentioned, there were some guys that were having um, adverse effects, which are normal, but they happen um, to the vaccine. So Ryan Barucki had a fever, was tired. So he went on the IL. And then in game, you saw Lourdes Gurriel Jr. leave on that Friday game. And it was like, oh, no, what's happening here? He was also feeling sick from the vaccine. So um that was like, and then there was the other injuries too. There's Tyler Chatwood injury. So just like I, I wrote a story on Friday and I was just like, what a bad week for the Blue Jays. Like in a bad day on top of a bad week. Like the offense was like, I don't know what they were hitting, like 200, you know, like a 600 OPS or something um, as a team. And you talk about Yankees fans, um, you know, the sky is falling. I mean, Blue Jays fans were kind of freaking out too. I had a few commenters on my story just saying, you know, season's over, I guess next year, um, which it was <laughs> at that point, it was like eight games. Um, so it felt like <laughs> the perfect, uh, the perfect timing of an offensive explosion to happen on um Saturday to just reassure everyone and look uh Angels pitching wasn't great the Blue Jays got a lot of walks but to their credit they took those walks right um but it was perfect timing to have a game where the team is going to score 15 runs a lot of the guys that you thought are going to hit were hitting a lot of guys you thought wouldn't even be on the team were hitting like you know Josh Palacios had a great game and Santiago Espinal came up and had a great game and so it um, was just, you know, the perfect timing for that game to happen because I think it it really settled things down a little bit. Um, and then, I don't know, you want to talk about <sighs> divine intervention or things happening for a reason. Then you had Sunday's start, supposed to be Tanner Rourke's start. Then the skies opened up in Dunedin, and we know what happened. It got rained out. 
So if we want to talk about news, if we, you want to push this podcast forward, um, which we will, the news today <laughs> was Tanner Rourke um, is moving to the bullpen. His start isn't going to happen. So I'll throw it back to you, Drew. You can comment on your thoughts on the Angel series, um, and then we can also talk about sort of the news today. Yeah, no, absolutely. The news of Tanner Rourke going to the bullpen is interesting, maybe welcome. Uh, just got the one go, really. You know, he only got one start, and the Blue Jays have like, I think we've seen enough. Uh, the Rangers, of course, hit him very, very hard, um, repeatedly over and over. I think he gave up three home runs in three innings, um, yeah. plus just Five hits, absolute three home runs. piss missiles left, right, and center. He was getting hit really hard. Didn't look, didn't look great. And and now they said that he's a, being a real pro and that he's going to be the long man, which is. Um, which is cool. Uh, you know, I don't know what choice he has if he's not able to get people out. He's just getting hit really hard. Uh, I know you mentioned the COVID uh, injured list, which for Ryan Barucki and um, and Lourdes Gurriel is basically day to day. Yeah, you know, Ryan Barucki's Ryan, already off of it. And yeah, so he was out running around, felt like a million bucks, and was ready mm-hmm. to come back with his, with and, his nanobots. And Lourdes, and, Lourdes could be back by mm-hmm. game time Monday. Like if that IL doesn't have mm-hmm. like a – um, maximum or minimum amount of days. It's just kind right. of, um, you know, go on it and then your day to day, as you say. But Tyler Chatwood was moved to the actual injured yes. list with some bicep soreness or tendonitis or something. Um, I do obviously have thoughts about that Angel series. I watched um, Thursdays and Fridays game quite closely and not as closely on Saturday. Uh, the offense looked had looked at times very bad. Uh, the Blue Jays struck out a ton. Uh, the first couple games, obviously, Josh Palacios, even Jonathan Davis kind of pressed into service a little bit at the last minute. I mean, because I think all that stuff happened within an hour of the first pitch on all those transaction stuff and the thing with Teoscar's exposure and, and uh, Ryan Barucki. Um, so that was a lot of, uh, a lot of moving parts. Maybe those guys wouldn't have, would have been, had the opportunity to prepare a little bit better. Maybe they'll, they would be able to play a lot better. But right now we're seeing, you know, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is not, um, not off to a strong start. Uh, you know, Bo Bichette is, is coming around, got a bunch of hits on Saturday. Obviously that's good for what ails you. Um, but you know, the only Rowdy, I don't think, uh, Rowdy Telez has been really struggling. Alejandro Kirk doesn't even have a hit yet, uh, this year. Joe Panic had a hit late on, was that Thursday? That was the extra inning game. I think he got a, he got a hit late. Um, but then Danny Jansen's really struggling. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of struggles in the lineup very early. Obviously, you know, if you think that Rowdy Telez is, is not a big leaguer, I'd be surprised. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel has, has, is, um, guy swings at everything, has a great, you know, really great back control, really good at putting the bat on the ball. Uh, and sometimes he's, he's kind of a, maybe a bit of a bad ball hitter. So a guy like him is gonna look bad at times. He's gonna make, strike out and gonna have like some really rough outings and then, He'll just run into everything for a week and he'll be hitting them off his shoe tops out or into left field. That's just sort of what you get with Lourdes Gurriel. Unless, of course, it isn't. Unless people have just figured it out that you can just throw it in the other batter's box and he's still going to swing. Uh, that's not great. But uh, it was interesting to see the Angels have a, the Angels have a pretty good offense. And, and uh, obviously they have three all-world. Well, so they have two all-world hitters and then they have Shohei Otani who's in a different class unto himself. And I don't know if you or, or maybe some of the folks hadn't watched Shohei Otani as closely. Um, it's really interesting to me as someone who watches him, uh, religiously, you know, pun intended, no, no pun intended, but he is capable of looking so truly spectacularly lost 
any given play to Paris. Swinging out of his shoes, his helmet's flying off, he's flailing away at soft stuff out of the strike zone. Just looks terrible. And I, I think it might have been Thursday night. He looks so bad at, at, at parts, at the plate. And then he comes up again, and he looks so off balance. And then he, I think it was that was Friday, looks so off balance, takes like a kind of a weird swing. But then you turn, and the ball is two feet from being a grand slam. Like he hit it 380 feet to right center field off what was an excuse me swing. And then he comes up and he hits, and then he hits a home run and then he hits another home run. It's just like there's no substitute for power. And for, for someone like Otani, who, who maybe is similar in a way to like a Teoscar Hernandez, for example, where it's like there's so much power, such easy power that when you do make contact and you do barrel it up, you know, good things happen. And that's Otani 100%. But it's just so striking to me because he's, he is such a, like his OPS is like 1100 or something. Because if you just get extra base hits half the time, you're way ahead of the game. Doesn't matter how bad you look in the other at bats. Um, but it was a good, that's a good test for the Blue Jays, right? To, to be able to get, you know, someone like Otani, you can't make a mistake against. And TJ Zoik is like the worst, that's the worst matchup for Zoik is to have to face, Otani, TJ Zork just doesn't have the stuff to get a guy like him out. David Phelps did a good job as the opener and kind of was able to, to he looked, made Otani look terrible. But TJ Zoik is just like, that's good eating for a guy like Otani because he can't throw the fastball past him and he doesn't spin it well enough to really get Otani off balance. And, and it's kind of, you know, TJ Zoik got hit pretty hard. And again, it's, it's really a matter of that lineup because, you know, when, and then a guy like TJ Zoik, like, you're not, he's not getting Mike Trout out. Right. There's just, and that was the whole end thing with, with Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling, bless him, was said, I think he said in post game, he said something to the effect of like, I don't have the tools to get him out because he doesn't. He can't run it up at the top of the strike zone at 96, which is your only hope. And that, even that has kind of gone away. So some of the limitations of the Blue Jays pitching staff, I think, were shown a little bit as well as some of the, the limitations of the, some parts of the offense. Um, Andrew Heaney, I didn't expect him to pitch nearly as well as he did. Uh, against the Blue Jays. He was kind of rough the first time out. I thought the Blue Jays' lineup is so right-handed that maybe getting in there against a lefty like Heaney would, would work in their favor, maybe start to get some guys who get some better swings, but they looked, other than other than the one guy, they looked terrible. Um, so I don't know. It was... It's it's for me it's a really fun series to watch because I do watch the Angels so closely so it was it was a lot of um, a lot of fun to to see them and and the extra inning game was good that was like real back and forth and then of course Saturday's game with all the runs was a lot of fun too and the Blue Jays got that looked like they had had a bit of fun running running up the score walks and Vlad stole third like oh everyone had a great time yeah at like midnight they were still playing or whatever it was it was such a late game that's why i, I gave up a lot of that i was like mm, i don't think i'm gonna watch this one so much anymore i watched margin call for like the 50th time you know it was like funny because last year with the way that the schedule was it was like you just were playing the east right and i like completely mm-hmm. forgot what it was like when the jays were on the west coast and you know i'm watching from home or i'm not on that road trip so mm-hmm. i've got to follow along and Saturday was a good test for that for that reminder. I don't know. I haven't even looked ahead when they're going west the first time. I'm, I used to be able to stay up a lot later than I can now. I mean, I, I can. I can write pretty late into the night, but it, I have to be sort of doing something to stay up, whereas Saturday I was just watching the game. I wasn't writing off of it. So, um, yeah. The very test. washed good. Caitlin McGrath here just – 
Bobbing for apples in the sixth inning. Uh, <laughs> struggling. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Jonathan Davis, we you know we you and I talked about it. it would be great if he could steal a job, uh, you know, in our kind of mm. season preview episode. I don't I think he's quite. Going. I don't think he's quite there yet. Where is it going? You tell me. Well, uh, I don't know. Like I, it's a s- extremely small sample size, but I mean, if you're in Montoya and you have um, Lourdes Gurriel potentially coming off that IL tomorrow, and then you have Josh Palacios who just went four for four with a walk. And Santiago Espinal, who went three for five, and Jonathan Davis, who I think he had a, a walk, or I'm not sure. And, you know, he's been picked off and thrown out on the bases, and that's where he's <laughs> supposed to be standing out. And I mean, he had the slide, that nice slide that, uh, well, I don't know, controversial slide, maybe. Slide, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, made things happen for the Blue Jays in that inning. But I. Don't know. I mean, and Josh Palacios is really interesting because he had a really great spring. So did Jonathan Davis, but Josh Palacios really had a good spring. And he also had a great um, year last year at the alt site. I remember his name coming up a few times um, throughout the year about just the way not only he was playing, but also just his leadership and I think almost the way that he embraced the situation. Uh, he's a little bit older, right? Like he's been in the minors a few years now. So in that situation, it's tough, right? Like you could get kind of down on yourself or down on the situation or, you know, you're playing fake games and you want to be playing real games. But he's really stood out and stood out to the point where I think last year, um, like – he wasn't even in 40-man consideration to the point where they didn't add him and he didn't get taken in the Rule 5. And then a year later, so like this past Rule 5, ahead of it, the Blue Jays put him on the 40-man, so obviously he wasn't going to get taken in the 40, uh, sorry, in the five Rule 5 draft. But it just it says a lot of how far he's come to the point where he got passed over in the Rule 5 a couple years ago, and now he's playing with the Blue Jays, the, the um, and he's standing out. I mean, it was one game, but, you know, it was pretty good. So I don't know if you want to talk about guy who plays so well that you can't send him down, but if we're having that conversation, I think, did Josh Palacios take the lead? I don't know. I think it's interesting because there are so many moving parts. So, it, so is, you know, is it whose job is Josh Palacios stealing – 
in your in your scenario, is he taking at bats from Rowdy Tellez? Maybe because it's like okay, we're going to get Palacios in the outfield, and then we can maybe like Guriel or or Teoscar Hernandez, whoever. Well, not Teoscar right away, but like so. So there are those options, but to me, it'll be really interesting to see if they say say they decide they're going to stick with him. Tomorrow, even just Monday, when you when most when folks will be hopefully listening to this, so you're playing against the Yankees is a guy from Brooklyn, so there's a lot of like fun there, but also you're facing Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole starting for the for the Yankees um, on on Monday, the first game of that series, so is maybe a little bit of sink or swim. Uh, you know, I, I again Saturday the the situation was a little bit different. Saturday, Friday. Um, and Palacios did not look good at the plate, mm-hmm. um, against Andrew Heaney, who was pitching well. Uh, one thing, uh, um, uh, Mark in Palacios' favor, though, is that he hits left. And I feel as though the Blue Jays, again, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it is really right handed. So anytime you can get someone else who's in there left handed, other than, I mean, you got Telez and you got Kevin Biggio. Um, as your only lefty. So if there's another left-handed bat to just kind of mix things up Joe a little Panic, bit. you can mix in. Can you? Does well, that count? They have. <laughs> he does hit left. He does hit left. Um, but, and uh, so, so, I mean, I feel like, you know, a guy like Palacios, um, and even to a similar extent, um, JD Davis, it's, there's a really strong sense of what their ceiling is. Mm-hmm. But if they can even raise a like, just catch, get a little bit of that hot hand theory, and maybe just kind of oh, you know, Josh Palacios, nobody knows how to get him out right now. We got four hits in one day, so it, I think it's worth a shot. Um, again, facing Cole will be somewhat instructive, but also to the point where it's like Cole's so good that it might not be instructive. Like oh, you know, if Josh Palacios strikes out four times on Monday night, it's like not like okay, he's out of his depth. It's well, he's facing Garrett Cole. Like, that's just sort of the deal. And, and Cole, uh, who was much better his second time out than he was on opening day against the Blue Jays, which, pardon me, Yankees fans want to attribute, of course, to the fact that he was not throwing to Gary Sanchez. Uh, he, Gary Sanchez caught him on opening day. And then, uh, Kyle, uh, Higashioka, Higashioka. Yeah, that's right. He caught him his next start out. So we'll see. Uh, I think it's it's mm. it's worth a shot, right? Just like let him let him run out there. Maybe he runs into one. Maybe he can do it, drag drag another bunt. I'm such a I'm all here for bunt for, bunt for a hit. If you can leg it out, bunt for a hit. I'm in. Uh, but yeah, it's uh it's, it's if nothing else, it's a fun little story from the weekend. It's a fun story. The day that Josh Palacios got four hits, we'll all remember it fondly. Yep, the first Blue Jay to get four hits in a game this year. I think the Blue Jays seemed like they didn't get four hits, period, in the first couple of days. <laughs> Other than, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is an absolute unstoppable monster right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. He's he's doing everything you want him to do and more. And I think even when, you know, what's good about him right now is that even if he does have a bad play or a bad plate appearance, He's really not letting it spiral. And I don't know that he ever got too caught up in that previously because I've never talked to him about it. I've never asked him about it. But certainly as a young player, there's an expectation where you you can get inside your own head and you can 
look like you're trying to do too much or look like you're spiraling or look like you're still thinking about your last at bat when you go up for your next at bat. Um, it doesn't look like he's doing that this year. And frankly, part of it is because he hasn't had many bad at bats. He's He looks really good up there. Um, but the Blue Jays have to be pleased with how he looks right now. They would be crazy not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I, I wrote about um, at the end of last week was if you look at his um, stat cast numbers, everything, everything is is uh, is a, a, uh, above average except for his whiff rate, his swinging strike. So he's actually swinging and missing a lot um, at individual pitches. But I think that's okay. And I, as I explained it in the newsletter was the thing that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has done so far this year is get himself into an absurd amount of hitters counts. He's ahead almost every at bat. He he's being really selective. He's being pitched very carefully, um, which is uh, which is uh, understandable. But he is just always ahead in the count. So when you're in in these great hitters counts all the time, if you're three one, even three three zero, that there was a bit of a uh, situation. Was that Thursday night? Might have been. Oh, might have been when I don't. There was a game where he swung. Oh, it's Wednesday night. He threw. He swung uh, a 3-0 and popped out. He like swung in a bad pitch 3-0. I wrote something about that as well. But like he's in these counts all the time. So like, yeah, bombs away. Go nuts if you're up 3-1 and you think you're going to get a fastball and you swing through it. So what? He's still shown himself to be so incredibly patient when it comes to 3-2. When it comes to, you know, he spits, still spitting on so many close pitches and, and he's getting pitched really carefully. That was one of the things we talked about at the beginning. Uh, when he first came up as a rookie, he was getting pitched really tough. He was getting a lot of stuff to the corners and they were really trying to get him out and it worked for a while. Right now, it seems like he's just, he's getting pitched really carefully. He's there. There's no people, the opposing pitchers seem very wary, very aware, uh, that he's, he's really, really, uh, become a tough out and he's hitting the ball incredibly hard at any given opportunity. And, and he's, um, he just, it's, it's all anyone could have hoped for. I mean, it, obviously, that's such a stupid thing to say. It's so stupid to be like, this is good. It's good that he has like a 560 on base percentage or whatever it is. Like, yep, that's pretty good. No, it's 538 on base. Excuse me. Like, yeah, this is, this is, this is fair. It's fair to say he's doing well, but he looks great and he looks, he's made some nice plays in the field and he's running the bases really well. As I said, stole third with, with two outs, which at some way might raise a little bit of a red flag, but. He <laughs> strolled into third base without even a throw. So that's your favorite kind of that's your favorite kind of base running, the more haphazard, crazy, <laughs> maniacal. Which that wasn't. That's the thing. He, so ordinarily, he's done a lot of you know uh, bad. What I would you, most people would call bad base running, I think is 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 um, <laughs> heroic. But that was just heads up. He looked around and he realized that nobody was anywhere close to him, and. Uh, um, the the third baseman, I guess, Anthony Rendon, was like either playing way back or had come up or something. Like he was, no, it was the other way around. But anyway, uh, he just like read the situation, and made it, and made a and got a good jump. He also was like it was a running lead. Quintana did not uh, Jose Quintana did not believe that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was going to go anywhere with two strikes with two outs and uh, being on second base. But that's just heads up baseball. It's uh, it's good to see. Because sometimes the game can be, especially with the Blue Jays striking out as much as they have and really struggling to put the ball in play, sometimes the games can get to be a little bit of a drag. Yes. So looking ahead to the Yankees, 
you know, the Blue Jays would have been nice to get the lap, to get Sunday's game in. But again, the, the fact, I guess we can think and talk about this week looking ahead. The fact that they're skipping Roark or moving him out right to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it kind of goes back to the, the, the Palacios and Jonathan Davis point that you were making, which is like, they're not hesitating to do things that they think is going to let them, let them win more ball games. Um, yeah. which is, which is encouraging. Yeah. So like with Rourke, um, the interesting thing with Rourke is that like all last season or more so after the season, I guess, you know, the Blue Jays, Ross Atkins would talk about how we didn't get to see the real Tanner Rourke. Like the real Tanner Rourke is a guy that goes out every fifth day. He, you know, pitches, he soaks up innings for the team. He probably pitches like about league average or so, maybe a little bit below now old as he's older <laughs> in his career, not quite as sharp as he used to be. Um, but that was the whole line on Tanner Rourke is like, you need, this guy has to have a big sample because what, his value is, is what he provides to a team over 162. And so when you're using that as a justification for a guy, the expectation is, okay, when we get to the 162 season, you're going to give him a lot of runway. Now, I never totally believed that they were going to give him a, a ton of runway because this is an important year. And like we said, there were signs along the way that suggested that the Blue Jays were going to be a bit more sort of ruthless um, when it came to putting the best team on the field. But they also were paying him $12 million this year, and they only signed him a year ago. So he was going to get a chance. Um, he was starting throughout spring. He was, And by all accounts, he went away in the offseason and worked hard. He was doing different things that he's never done before to try and get better. He was making changes with his delivery. So he was trying and then he had one bad start. It was, it was particularly bad, you know, three innings, which is not what you want from a guy like Tanner Rourke. That's sort of the opposite of what he's supposed to be doing out there. And then he was giving up really hard hits, three home runs. And, you know, afterwards he was really disappointed with his performance. He really didn't have much to say. There really wasn't much to say. I think he just sort of repeated it was not very good and sort of said he'd flush it and move on and go to his bullpen and go to the next start. The Blue Jays were going to give him one more start. They, it ends up getting rained out. Now I wonder, was that one last start simply because they didn't, have anyone else they didn't want to tire their bullpen I mean Saturday their bullpen would have been relatively fresh they weren't using any of their high leverage guys but also you're heading into a series with the Yankees and maybe you want to keep your best bullpen guys ready um so you just throw Tanner work knowing that you're going to get Ray back on Monday um that seems to be what it would be like like I'm just saying like reading between the lines it looked like he only had one more start left. Mm. So I, I guess the point I'm making here is that like, <laughs> I'm just, well, well it's just, it's surpri- to me, it's not surprising that he's not in the rotation anymore. It's a, it's a little bit surprising how quickly it happened. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. 
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. As it worked out, that's, that second start, which could end up being his last or could have been end up being his last, was against the Angels, which, again, a team that is capable of scoring a lot of runs, a capable a team with two, three, at least, you know, very, very, very uh, elite hitters, a team, a team that scored a bunch of runs, you know, against the Blue Jays, uh, which absolutely the worst possible matchup for Tanner Roark. They were like, mm-hmm. we're going to give you one more shot. Show us what you can do. Go well, that's get why, Mike like, Trout out. Like, yeah, <laughs> okay. like that, that's why it seemed like it was just a matter of like, they just really wanted to sort of realign their rotation to have, mm-hmm. to give Ryu the extra day, to give Ross Stripling the extra day. You're going to insert Ray on Monday because that's against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to fill that Sunday. And the thing that's interesting is that, you know, I wrote something that it will be out today and it will, and, and I wrote about this previously too, the other times that I was writing about Ray and like, or sorry, about Rourke. It's just like, if the Blue Jays can't guarantee that they're going to get a competitive start when he starts, then they're essentially just handing out, handing away a win. And if it comes down to September and it's a close race, those wins that you handed to other teams because Tanner Rourke um, wasn't going to give you a competitive start. And I should say, I mean, the Blue Jays are capable of scoring a lot of runs. So I'm not saying that every start that, <laughs> that Tanner Rourke had would have been an automatic loss, but it is sort of, um, a a hard position to put your team in um, the expectation that they might have to score a bunch of runs because the pitcher you're putting on the mound gives up a lot of runs. Like that's a tough position to put. And also, you know, he gives a lot, gives up a lot of hard contact too. So you have to have your defense. (laughs) Yeah. So your defense, you're asking like the outfield defense to make a lot of difficult plays and even the infield. Like, so it's just a lot for the team. So, um, I think what you're saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the game getting rained out on Sunday was the best possible outcome for the Toronto Blue Jays 2021 season. No, not really. (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. It was. It it, it truly was. To your point. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Because then they didn't give up that win. Not only did they not give a win to the Angels, the team they figured to be competing for the wild card, for a wild card spot with. Angels are off to a good start. Things are going well for them, but you know Saturday's game, uh, 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 not a, notwithstanding. Um, so not only did you give hand a, a wild card competitor a, a, a W, assuming that Tanner Rourke wasn't going to pitch well enough to put the Blues in a position to to win, which is maybe not fair of us. 
it truly is not unlike TJ Zoic and, and, and Ross Stripling by his own admission, like the angels with, with Otani just absolutely punching any mistake. Mike Trout, you, you cannot get him out. And, and Rendon, who's like still off to a slow start, but still a great hitter. Jared Walsh, you know, uh, even Jose Iglesias having a, having a good year on and on. Angels are pretty good. Yeah. Really, really bad matchup, but not only that. So if, if you just send Rourke out there and he gets his brains beat in for another two or three innings, now you have six innings to fill with your with your um, with your bullpen, and then you got to face the Yankees. But now they didn't have to scramble; they didn't have. They're not having to be like, "Who's going to mop up?" And then we have to send somebody down to the back to the alternate site, bring in some fresh arms because we had six innings we needed to get you know get some get some length out of. They didn't have to do any of that. So I feel like they're in a good position going in to face the Yankees, a team that is 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 off to a slower start, uh, not, not unlike the Blue Jays, but obviously a team that's that can be really scary, a team that has a huge offense just just like waiting and percolating underneath right now. You know, Aaron Hicks is is uh, off to a slow start. Stanton's off to a slow start. Um, there's a few different guys on, on on the Yankees who are not swinging a hot bat right now. But that doesn't mean that they're not the Yankees, and that doesn't mean that the, the accumulated talent of that group isn't such that you need to you want to have you your best foot forward, and not having to pick up the pieces from another kind of potentially disastrous Rorick start really puts the Blue Jays in a good spot. You can go, you can worry about the day, the, the double header that you have to play against the Angels down the road. That's tomorrow's problem. Today, if you're the Blue Jays, you're feeling pretty good about not having to not having to scramble. Ahead of a series with the Yankees, if if I'm the Blue Jays, not to say the that, that's not how they think, but reality is not the worst place to be. Yeah, yeah, that that all makes sense. I guess my sort of question that is unanswered to me, and I don't think it'll ever be answered, is just, and I can figure out why. Like if we just laid out, like mm-hmm. they were just using Tanner Work because that's the arm they had, and whatever happened happened. But I just I don't understand what. The point of saying he's still in the rotation, he's starting Sunday, and then immediately when the Sunday's game doesn't even happen, it gets rained out, he's moving to the bullpen. And I and I I read into it that it was gonna be inevitable because Ray was coming back and he was the starter that's losing the spot for Ray. But mm-hmm. then I just wonder, like, well, why even start him on the Sunday if you didn't even if the same day that you were starting him, you didn't consider him a starter anymore because you moved him to the bullpen. Got to pump those tires. Pump them up. This is you, Tanner. You can stay in the rotation. Keep pitching awesome and we'll leave you. We'll and figure then, it out. He goes up there and shoves after. against the Rangers, shoves against the Angels. Tanner Roar gets another start, but no. I don't know. It's just they they could have done like a Trent Thornton start. But mm. then you're, you're, to your point, then they use the, a lot of the bullpen arms and they're facing the Yankees. Um, although they will get a fresh Ray, uh, Robbie Ray against mm. the Yankees. So presumably he Or will go. they get a rusty Robbie Ray? Go Rusty Ray. We'll <laughs> find out. Rusty Ray and his, his super tight pants out there and his, his <laughs> Lee jeans on the mound. I wonder if he'll I still s- be rocking those this year. I can only imagine he will. Oh yeah, he was in spring. I'm pretty sure they were the same pants. Those, that's like one of my eternal memories of that uh, that playoff game against the Rays. I was like, <laughs> "Damn, Robbie Ray's pants! What's good?" I think that that's a, hmm? that was a good outing by Robbie Ray too. It was. That was on the heels of a good outing by Matt Shoemaker, who's uh, pitching well, I guess, so far for Minnesota as well. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Matt Shoemaker. I got a lot of time for that guy. I don't even know why. It just seems cool. He's got a cool beard. Pitched well for the Blue Jays, and then got hurt. Pitched well in that game too. Shout out, Matt Shoemaker. 
Caitlin, anything else you're looking forward to this week uh, coming up? Looking forward to the, the Yankees. Anything we can expect to see from you or to read from you on theathletic.com, which if you have not yet subscribed, I think you should do that at theathletic.com slash spin rate. Let them know that we sent you and they'll let us keep doing this twice a week. Maybe we'll do it another one. If the Blue Jays are in first place, there's no, the sky's the limit. Except that it is. They aren't going to let us do one every single day. Um, and then if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, if this is your first time, thank you for listening. Thank you for getting like 35 minutes in and, uh, and getting the preamble, which is really now the postamble. So subscribe to the podcast. Give us a review. You hit us with a thumbs up or a like or whatever the things that you do. Follow Caitlin on, on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. And, uh, and as I said, theathletic.com slash spin rate. What are they going to, if they subscribe, if you are a new subscriber and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got this universe of content before me. What can they expect to find under the Caitlin McGrath byline this week? Anything, anything on tap? Anything you can tease us with? <laughs> this question always makes me feel very like self-conscious about my <laughs> self-planning skills. I'm like, oh no, I've got no ideas. You know, like, I don't know. Back in the, it's baseball. They play every day. You don't need. Ideas. I know, but like you know, back in the like, I've worked in various newsrooms in my career, and you know the TV newsroom that I was in one a few years ago. It's like there's always a daily pitch meeting. You got to come with all your pitches, and it's like you always got to have all these ideas. And like I have uh, ideas, but uh, I'm not the best planner. Although my editor keeps me really well planned. Anyway, this is all to say that. I I have uh, my weekly like Monday sort of report on um, everything that happened in the last week and looking ahead. That'll be up on Monday. And then I have a few stories planned um, this week that um, I haven't written yet. But um, so I won't say what They're they are just in case they don't come through. Fair <laughs> but, enough. But yeah, you I'll speak, have Or you I'll can speak it into content. existence. You'll have some content. That's okay. It's baseball. They play every day. That's the number one uh best part about baseball is that there's a new game every day there's a new thing to watch there's a new thing to talk about you never know what you might see you know you probably wouldn't have thought at any point you would be writing about josh palacios but then it's like oh i gets four hits guess who's the story of the day you get to talk about josh palacios if you do and then if he has another four hits and then it's like oh well now it's feature time we're going to brooklyn to talk to his <laughs> uh to his family uh but that's okay i'm excited it's Series against the Yankees, again, they're getting seeing a bunch of them. Yankees fans are just melting down, as I said, although they they won, so now they're ready to play in the parade again. So who knows? But I'm excited to watch the games. I'm excited. We'll be back, uh, whatever, Wednesday or Thursday with another episode of Spin Rate. And the Blue Jays will keep on playing and we'll keep on watching. So for Caitlin McGrath, my name is Drew Fairservice. We will talk to you next time. Let's go.